0: On today's episode, we talk about artificial intelligence, uh, how it shapes us, and how we shape it all around a very special book.
1: To panelism, the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Taylor Trask. I'm Todd A. Todd, how are you? Well, (laughs) uh, I a little
0: off kilter. I think we both are. We're trying a new recording method, and it's we've had a few uh, a few little road bumps. That's right. Well, speed speed bumps, speed humps, speed humps, speed bumps, my humps. Speed trumps,
1: um, all of the, all of the above. Uh, welcome yeah. to you at home, too. If you're listening, hopefully we have a new method of recording that sounds even better in your ears as you're driving to work or to your place of business. Yeah, or. and
0: if you're not hearing this, it meant it all went terribly wrong. <laughs> so.
1: We're always trying to make the show better and tweaking a little bit here and there. So, um, you know, hopefully that, that came through. Uh, we're back again talking about another book. Uh, this week back to the books, as we as we've said before, and we're going to try something a little new this week in true book club fashion. I'm going to start us off with a question, Todd, and uh, I would love your answer. I'll give an answer and then we'll, we'll try to jump right in. What artificial intelligence story would you want to live in if you could if you could? And, and keep that open to book, comics, movies, TV shows, anything involving A.I., What would you, what world would you want to live in or even not live in if you have a, if you have a good argument for that too, um, where there's AI?
0: Well, we're, we're fresh off reading one book, which does seem to be the most pleasant. Um, I, I would go ahead and rule out like the her model. Um, that's pretty creepy. No, wait, you Um, thought her was creepy? Yeah. Uh, the, um, uh and and I'm gonna rule out the ghost in the shell model.
1: <laughs> Alright. Again, also star also and, uh, also including Scarlet Johansson. Just anything with her apparently is is brushed aside.
0: Yeah. Um I <laughs> well, and I'll also tell you that while reading this book, I thought a lot about Lars and the Real Girl. Oh. Um I <laughs> But I do think that of our options. The book we're discussing today may have the the best ai environment for me oh Um, all right all right what what about yourself
1: um interestingly i was gonna say her uh just because that seems Mm. the most benign you know nothing really bad happens except for spoilers at the end all the ais leave um uh, on their on their own accord like not because they were Bullied or oppressed, they just wanted to move on. I'm going to say though, I mean, when I thought about it, uh, you know, in a broader context, I, I mean, honestly, I, I do think the life of Tony Stark and the and Jarvis is probably my favorite AI. And just to be in a world where I have this this um, you know electronic friend that knows me and can follow me from my house to my car and just kind of kind of hang out with me and do stuff on the side and you know it's, it's pleasant to talk to. That seems that seems useful to me right now. And there's not like a, we're going to get into this a little bit more soon, but there's not a uh, uncanny Valley person staring back at me. You know, it's just, it's kind of a disembodied voice, almost like the voice of God, you know, just kind of there with you when you need it to be. And I, in my, in my version of that, I get to pick the voice. So if I wanted it to be Morgan Freeman's voice, I could, or uh, Jeff Bridges voice or Helen Mirren's voice. I like get, I mean, we're going to get there sooner or later. So I'm just sort of, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that right now.
0: Yeah, I, um, I in a side conversation you and I were having, not about this book um, that we will get to eventually, I was telling you that like when my Google Home um, totally dies because I think the speaker's about to blow out, uh, I don't know that I'm going to get another one. Mm. And I almost have the opposite her effect, which is like I'm starting to walk away from a lot of the automation in my life because it's more frustrating than just doing it myself, you know? Um, and, and I don't know that I need that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty big champion of like having the outbound, the outboard brain, you know, of like a Dropbox or something where, yeah, it's, it's fine to take hundreds and thousands of pictures because, you know, you can store them Mm -hmm. with no problem. But, um, yeah, AI is just not really doing it for me right now. Mm. And I think I like the world of Alex and Ada or Lars and the real girl because there actually is a physical uh component to it. And it's oh. not just a disembodied voice. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Well, the book we are talking about today is Alex and Ada. Um written by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn with art by Jonathan Luna, published by Image Comics, as as they usually are. Um, and we're gonna talk mostly about volumes one and two today. Uh with some spoilers. We're not gonna talk about volume three. Uh, mainly because Todd hasn't read it, but also because we want to give you, the listener, you, the reader, something to look forward to um, without spoiling it. So we'll keep away from Volume 3, but we will have some some deeper discussions about Volumes 1 and 2 and more so about yeah. the themes and less about the actual story because I think there's, there's some context to this book that I, I think is important going into it or just to be reminded of before you start to read it. Uh, quick... T, a quick uh, uh, preview for those of you not familiar with the project. I'm just going to read the back of the book. It's a sci-fi drama set in the near future. The last thing in the world Alex wanted was an X5, the latest in realistic androids. But after Ada is dropped into his life, he discovers she is more than just a robot and takes a huge risk to unlock Ada so she can think for herself and explore life as a sentient android. Can they survive the consequences? Tune in. They didn't That I added two in it That's not in there
0: um, So <laughs> Honestly yeah. that to me is like As far In spoiler territory As we Kind of have to go I mean we'll yeah. fill in a few details But It's not um, Yeah I would just say like If you haven't even read it Feel You know feel free to stick around We'll try to warn you If we, if we actually drop any story Plot details But that's about it Like you You learn on the back That That um, You know She What's going to happen If she becomes sentient and exactly yeah and so, if, yeah, so that's not even a spoiler even though that's kind of the big the question of the first couple of issues
1: yeah yeah and I was gonna say if it, you know we kind of usually do a if you like or you know we also recommend I would I'll just I'll just kind of list off my favorites you know her ex machina uh, the vision graphic novel that we've talked about on uh, past episode um, I, probably those three I, you'd mentioned a couple others what, what came to mind when you first read this well, there's... Um, Lars and the Real Girl, you threw that one out. Y-
0: yeah, because immediately there is sort of a component of people using these androids as a, like, sexual companion. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that came up. Um, but, yeah, all the other touchstones, I think, were the same, like like her and, uh, you know, Tony Stark. Um, I, I think, like, even, even more so than just Jarvis being the AI... Ada for sure takes place in that world where there is a sort of spectral UI that mm-hmm. will float in front of the people you know there are no more computer screens they're just seeing um, the, the screens that they want through this thing called prime wave that they've they've like implanted into their brains mm-hmm. so they're already enhanced humans and yeah. as a you know brand new eyeglass owner um, mm-hmm. I I you know, I was thinking just last week about like how this is like, you know, the the first, the original wearable. You know, we're, Ooh, we're yeah. we've been bionic for centuries. You know, in that sense, that's a good point. Um So yeah, there there, and there's a little bit. So I don't know in volume three if they get into this, but in volumes one and two, there's definitely like a little. You can tell there are some characters who don't have prime wave prime being like the google of this world and they don't have it implanted in their heads yet so they don't really understand how to make thought you know calls with their mind like phone calls with their mind yet or notes um, yeah
1: notes just by pure thought um right kind of but similar- alex does he's yeah, he's
0: very yeah. fluent in it
1: kind of like yeah. you know we i read uh, reviewed a, a previous graphic novel called ancestor several episodes yeah. ago and one i mean <laughs> if you wanna if you want the absolute horror story of ai in my opinion, I think that is it. Because that yeah. book is about AI making us human, you know, humans something that we didn't ask to be. And in, and in doing so takes away our humanity and just that that is just such a terrifying concept to me um, But in that in the beginning of that story everybody's kind of walking around much the same as prime wave They've got kind of these like uh, this interface That's like kind of like liquid goo that just sort of floats in the air around you at all times And it can kind of form together to create yeah. a screen or form together to create a, a layer of texture uh, of, of context or information so I was sort of reminded of that as the book began for the same reason just the the way people are sort of where where technology is at this point in the in the time stream i can almost imagine both alex and both alex and ada and ancestor being two offshoots of the same continuum right like the same company who developed prime wave could have easily developed the thing in, in ancestor before you know they veer off into two different directions so
0: yeah, I think I'm so glad you brought up Ancestor because I could not remember the name of that. And I was, and I was reminded reading this of that book you had discussed with all mm-hmm. the AI components. So that's absolutely what I was thinking of the whole time. Yeah.
1: Great. Uh, you know, why is this worth having on your shelf? That's usually that's our tagline. I, I always kind of come back to that. I would say, you know, from a literary standpoint, Alex and Ada really reminds me of works by, you know, Kurt Vonnegut or Philip K. Dick or amazing indie movies like ex machina which you've talked about uh and, and i i can i agree as being amazing and even even um uh thematically a lot like the movie her where the idea of isolation and companionship are are really clear themes that i think alex and ada really leans into as well um I also think this is a timely subject matter given our current economy of AI and technology. This I could see Alex and Ada actually legitimately happening in five to ten years' time. It's we're not far removed from the world that they paint in that story. And no, I, think, I,
0: I, it's I would I mean it's almost like it's. It's almost exactly contemporary. I mean, just, Mm -hmm. you know, yours and and the conversation we had on this podcast, but you and I have conversations about Google Home all the time or how we're interacting with, you know, uh, uh, Google Assistant or something like that, or or, uh, you writing macros for it and things like that, like where you're basically hacking your own AI Mm -hmm. that will, (laughs) you know, understand things you want to do. Um, And I, so I think we're already at that point. And, uh, you know, again, I can speak from some personal experience of, of, of being a, a, a bachelor who lives alone in that, like we, you know, our lifestyle makes us lonely and then we turn to technology to like technology almost makes us lonely. And mm-hmm. then we turn to technology to kind of fill that loneliness and yeah. <laughs> fix it. Yeah. And I, Alex and Ada, the, the only step missing is Turning that sex doll into like a you know a robot that can speak to you you know mm-hmm. like put a Google Home Mini in your sex doll and and there it is like
1: well and you're not kidding um, like they it's funny because everybody who learns he has one of these robots one of these X five androids um and he kind of keeps it secret at first probably for this reason but everybody who who learns about it instantly thinks he's using it for sex it's yeah. not uncommon for these um. He's androids and even his grandma has one who well, is uh, you know, like a, a, a male version who she's more or less using for that purpose. So it's. Oh,
0: absolutely. Like 100 percent using for that purpose. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, and I was going to say, like, don't don't beat around the um literal bush there. Like grandma. That's the weird thing about this is that his grandmother has adapted to this uh android companionship much faster than Alex had. He yeah. is as skeptical as all of his friends. Um, And it is his grandmother who has bought him this $0.8 million Android as a birthday present. Yeah. Um, And so when they receive these Androids, they are very much like a Roomba or a Google Home Mini that (laughs) that can talk to you, but it only has a set number of programs and yeah, they yeah. they do eat food to convert to energy, but they don't need to sleep. So he goes to work in the morning and he comes home at night and the Android is literally standing in front of the door. Like he opens the door and the Android's just standing there like waiting for him to walk in. Right She's where done he done left nothing her. all day. Yeah. yeah. There's no curiosity. There's no like the learning component is all whatever he is interacting with you know and if he says the sunset's beautiful she says if you say it's beautiful it must be beautiful so
1: reminds me of the uh, the scene from coming to america where she's like where the the first wife the fake wife is like whatever you like he's like well, what do you like whatever you like you know just that that scene just kind of played in my mind at first because that's kind of how she is It's funny when he opens the box. She even has like the Apple kind of packaging, where it's just very clean, clean text. You know, just like press one button to turn her on, essentially, like that. It it was interesting to see them carry even those kind of uh, artifacts through to where they would logically be in a in a you know kind of near future commercial setting. That was interesting. I want to pull back a little bit and talk more about um, our relationship with technology, because so much of this book. Volumes one, two, and three. This this story, and I should clarify too. It is only volumes one, two, and three. It is a it is a done story. You can consume it all in one sh- in one go. I like to think of it as one se- one great season, like a like a limited series uh, on TV or Netflix, where you. I mean, I was I read the whole thing in a night. I was so captivated by this story for oh, reasons wow. we'll get into. But it just it felt. We, you, and I talked a uh, bit earlier today about you know should we do volumes one and two without three, and I think we can because there's so much to kind of d- d- dig into on a thematic standpoint. But it was yeah. really hard to think about the story without its crucial final final act. And um, interesting,
0: we'll which I haven't read it. yet. So it's I, very I, worth I did, it. I did read volume one and two. So I will at some point read volume three. Uh, you know, full disclosure: volume one and two were free on Comixology Unlimited. So. I didn't have to spend any money to read those. Well, let me ask um, you.
1: That being the case, did uh, what did you think? Where how would you rate it? I,
0: I mean, this is a one of those places where unlimited is worth its, you know, cost because mm-hmm. this is not a story that I would have stuck with. And it's funny because last week I talked about. Um, a book that I said was not like a, an assignment for the podcast. And this was very much an assignment. Like yeah. you <clears throat> you had picked this book and and you said, I think this is gonna work better if we we've both read it. Mm-hmm. And you you know, you told me it was on unlimited, so I, I've, you know, initially I, I opened it up and was like, "Oh man, I, this art would not have drawn me in." Mm-hmm. But because it was a reading assignment, I I kept going, and then I did find it where the pace was just picking up, and I was able to just sort of tap through, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, yeah, we'll we'll talk about some of those effects later, I'm sure. But it um, uh, it is also a thing that was another thing that was on my mind. Um, Sorry, that's a long way of answering your question. <laughs> was when we talked about the book Iscariot a few weeks ago, I was saying how you know it's it's one co- like contained novel. It is a graphic novel, but it's sort of like there are all these great ideas about stuff, and then the storytelling just gets sort of rushed to mm-hmm. com- like to complete the story you're in, you know, mm-hmm. versus like building out the world. And this one, I can definitely see like. Volumes one and two are act one and two. Yeah. It's amazing. Like it is like perfectly on the beats. Like, so when I finished volume one uh, and I told you like, I'm only going to get through volume one, I immediately opened volume two Mm because it's like, you're just supposed to continue. It's not, you know, you feel like a wrap up to that part of the story, but you're also aware, like now we're in the second third of the movie. So yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. I, Ended up enjoying it. We'll still talk about the art in a little bit, but um, yeah, you know, it, this is, like I said, this is where the unlimited is worth it because you can get into books that you otherwise wouldn't, I would not have ever purchase this to be on my shelf without having like read a whole volume. You know? It's interesting
1: you say that because I you know this is one of those books that kept popping up when I got back into comics hardcore yeah. back in 2014 2015 this I think was just coming out and it was one of those those yeah. titles that you just always saw in the racks and you're like well that looks interesting but I don't man I don't know that is this what is this and I always just kind of passed it by I never thought much about it um, and it was it because it was on uh, Comicsology Unlimited I took a chance on it and just fell in love with it hard Hard and fast to the point where I echoed your sentiment. The art at first did not grab me. But as you kind of realize what the story is, the art is absolutely appropriate in my mind for, for the story being told. Um, And I really encourage you. We've talked about it to death but comixology unlimited is a great way to try things out and i would buy this as a physical copy on my shelf were it not for the fact that i do feel the digital experience is appropriate for this story both in terms of the theme but also just the the experience is i think tighter
0: um, well, should we get into that presentation now, and then, yeah. then just sort of reorganize let's, our talking points.
1: Let's do. Let's talk about the art because it is it is such a crucial component to this. Um, you know, if you if you flip through the the tray paperback or a, a couple of issues, you're going to notice um, it's it is the whole thing kind of has an uncanny valley vibe to it. The way they draw yeah. the eyes, you know, and, and this may sound horrible, but at first when I saw it, I thought, oh, these are like are these like Asian characters or you know, like is, you know, what is what I wonder what this is about. And then I, it's, I don't think that's the case. I just think that is the stylistic approach they took to drawing these characters. Just, it just, it kind of looked like you know, almost like manga, right. It had that sort of yeah. feeling to it. Um, but instead they kind of, I think what they were going for, especially on Ada, which makes sense is that sort of translation of uncanny Valley into the, you know, pencil art, graphic, you know, non-tangible, non-three-dimensional space, and it it works largely for that reason. But it also has a kind of digital quality to it. I don't. I said pencil. I don't think they drew this physically. I think this was all on the computer screen. So. Oh and, yeah, For sure. And it, and it kind of it it almost and this is probably intentional. It almost has. You're looking at it. You know how like a lot of web comics have a sort of basic kind of um, not amateur quality, but like uh, you can easily. No. Tell web comics apart exactly from regular stuff, right?
0: That is exactly what I. That is the vibe I got. Was like this looks like it looks like a better done web comic, but it looks like a web comic.
1: Exactly, and I I think, but it's it is better. It's like it's it, the colors are a little more considered, the lines are a little different, exactly. but it does still have that sort of like wait. And I wonder if that wasn't their trick, like you know, the uncanny valley in yep. in the real world is oh this looks like a human but it it definitely still feels like not a human whether that be a cg creation or an actual like living android um you're like i can tell this is still not quite there yet and it almost feels like that was the way they they took the web comic aesthetic and just they almost they you know they purposely brought it so close but it would still kind of create that same discomfort that same um Oh, uh, what's the uh, not disconnection, but that's same dissonance, that same dissonance between, yeah, yeah. you know, your impression of what you the story should be and just kind of what you assume comics are. So that was really interesting. And that is what put me off at first when I first flipped it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know. But it, it I, trust me, it totally works. Totally works. Well, have you gone
0: and looked up any other art by Jonathan Luna? Sadly, I have not. I'm going to do that right now. While we're no, talking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You Google it. I there's there was an ad for one of his other books that appeared at the end, and it mm-hmm. looked like a very different style. But reading Alex and Ada, I couldn't help but think, like, you know, well, can this person just not draw very well? Like, it was, it's a it's it is itself an uncanny valley into, yeah. um, what is a conscious choice about this, and what is like, uh, just primitive in that yeah. way of like yeah. you can see someone using digital tools and deciding like primitives hey, I a good could word. Go, I could go like as pixel, you know, perfect as I want, but I'm not going to, I'm going to stick with like primitive on a digital computer. So, so
1: he and, uh, he and Sarah Vaughn have done another series called eternal empire. And okay. the art is similar, but it doesn't, it,
0: I'm having trouble trying a little more dynamic, right? A little
1: more dynamic. Yeah. Well, the other problem with the art in Alex and Ada is that not problem. Sorry. The other condition of the Alex and Ada art. And again, probably, probably deliberate is that so many of the panels are, um, you know, muted color palettes and are very, very similar. You'll see maybe seven or eight panels in a row where a person's facial expression might be the only thing that changes in the frame. And so when you're v- looking at it on the printed page, I, I think that's where the print version kind of falls down a little bit. The digital yeah. version gives you that sense of time passing by your flipping through the panels. It gives you and, almost that storyboard-driven yeah. style that I've come to like in various in various books. It,
0: yeah, it almost becomes like a flip book. Yeah. You'll tap on it, and there's no dialogue, and then you'll tap on the next, and it's like the pose is exactly the same, but you just notice like the mouth is a little different or something and then you tap and it's the same panel again but this time with a speech bubble yeah. and it yeah it gets that like sort of flipbook animation but it also goes back to those webcomic things where in those early days of webcomics a lot of times people just copied the same panel over you know yeah. to to do a at like a dialogue scene, for example, like you, you draw the wide shot of the two characters and then you just crop it and take, you know, the next panel is one of the characters speaking a line. The next panel is, this you know, the other character and it's they're in the same exact pose. You're just sort of I, I kept thinking of um, this, uh, that webcomic called Get Your War On. I think that's what it was called. Oh, I've never seen where that. Where it was like always the people talking like in an office, like and it's always... Two people, you know, two or three people talking and they're always sort of in the same pose throughout the conversation. You know, neither of them is moving and he has that friend that keeps coming into his office while he's, you know, sort of catches him at different times where he's like Googling stuff. And uh, and then and then their conversation will be Alex at the desk and the friend standing sort of awkwardly against the cabinet or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they yeah. don't move. Um but in contrast to that, because I just brought it up, whenever they do the UI of these things, it's not like super technical and detailed or anything, but there is, you can tell this isn't half-assed because it is drawn with such great perspective or something. Yeah. You know, like it's not, that part of it is is, is not phoned in. You know, A- Alex will be sitting in front of like 16 different floating hologram screens mm-hmm. and they're not super detailed, but you definitely get the feeling of like, the perspective and the depth of it. And it's really cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about kind of one of the main themes of this book, which is our relationship with technology, humans relationship with this ever advancing, seemingly uncontrollable sort of, you know, thing that we created that we've set in motion, but it keeps getting stronger and faster and more intelligent and, and, and so forth. You know, our, our, the relationships we're having now. Let's let's think about friendships that you have, um, relationships you have, even with your parents or with a significant other. Um, a lot of that in the last ten to fifteen years has been heavily colored by things like social media, by things like your iPhone. Now you can video chat with people when before you could only talk to them physically. Um, you know, it's it in some ways it's limiting how we treat you know how we interact with people. In other ways, it's enhancing it. We've already kind of gone through one phase of technology, kind of dictating to us what a relationship is. We're sort of entering that next phase now, where these Alexas and Google Homes and Series and other sort of early AIs are kind of they're they're integrating themselves into our lives. They're providing answers to questions. They're giving us directions. They're they're becoming more and more an active part of our lives do you, I mean, is it logical to think that, well, the next evolution is that there are friends that's, you know, they're either as, but you know, in, in a way like Jarvis, which I think is, is healthy where it's, you know, Iron Man is, you know, he had some, he had sentimentality for Jarvis, but he wasn't like, Oh, Jarvis, you're my best friend. You're my only friend. You know, he was just, a, he was like a, he was still a tool that Tony Stark, you know, relied on. I think in the case of Alex and Ada mm. it goes way beyond that. I mean, it that's more on the, her Venn diagram where, Joaquin Phoenix's character yeah. fell in love with his AI. He treated her like the most important thing in his life. And you come to find out at the end of that movie, so did a lot of other people. They just love their AI. Yeah. Do you think that's where we're, I mean, is that the natural inevitable next step? Is that healthy? Uh, give me your thoughts on all that.
0: Well, yeah, that's a, that's a brain full right there. Um, I, uh, yeah, this book came along at a good a good time. Like I mentioned, the being a new eyeglasses owner was already thinking about how we bionically, um, you know, enhance our lives, um, and the Google Home stuff that's been going on. Where I'm like, kind of tired of that. One of the things I always think about with my Google Home is what an interesting choice it was for, uh, and now I can't say it because I will activate all the devices in my house, <laughs> but the phrase that activates those devices is just the name of the company. Yeah. Whereas Apple gave their AI a name, Yeah. you know, and that to me was always a little creepy, like, and so did Amazon. So there's a, a weird little thing where it's like, in those cases, I, you're already kind of interacting with a person yeah. that knows a lot about you, you know, Yeah. but the The other part of AI that is scary, scary that we do not think about is um, how advertisements interact with us, mm-hmm. and that is already having a, like I think, a pretty quantifiable impact on people's decision makings. Certainly on their emotions and things like that. Like you can just look at the internet and and you know look at studies of confirmation bias and what sort of websites people read and see like, Oh, this is directly related to their cortisol levels and things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, artificial intelligence is (laughs) seriously impacting us already. Yeah. Um, so to think that like, I, I, and I think that's why when you ask like, what's what sort of AI world would you live in? I think maybe that's why I prefer one where I can physically see the AI and it's not just something in the cloud that's manipulating my brain, you know? Mm. Um, there is to to jump off on a tangent there. There is like a great line where, uh, so so in the first few issues, I guess we should say this. Like, basically, Alex gets the ro- the android. He deals with it for a couple days, and he decides I'm returning this. I don't want this in my mm-hmm. life. And then he decides not to. And the phrase he uses is, "It felt like I was drowning a puppy." Yeah, you know. And so he sensed there was some sort of like he there was a a, a life connection he had to this like a biological sort of like this is another life and i can't Mm -hmm. just have it erased um (laughs) in our ai conversation we didn't even talk about the one in silicon valley we should have thought about that oh yeah (laughs) rip her face off um what's her name again uh, i cannot remember um but so he decides he does not return her and then he's in these chat rooms one night and he finds he's trying to find out like how to how to add some you know additional functionality to her to kind of like stop her from just waiting by the door like a like a you know deactivated Roomba for him Mm -hmm. and he stumbles into this forum online where people talk about um giving their androids uh sentience and how the the prime whatever they're called uh they're not way. I don't remember if they're They're Maybe there's companies just called Prime. Oh, Prime Intelligence is what it's yeah. called. Prime Intelligence is already actually sentient, but because of this massacre that happened with this other AI with these other AI bots, um, several years de- ago, yeah, yeah, several years ago, Prime just deactivated the sentience uh, like sort of protocol within their androids, mm-hmm. so it's still there. So they have basically like a, a, a hacker meets them in real life that they've met through this um, forum and unlocks Ada. And so she gains sentience there. Uh, maybe I should have prefaced all that with minor spoilers, uh. but I think that's, I think it's not going to give away anything in the story. No, you're going no, to get there anyway. Anyway. So in the co- like course of that, the one line I wanted to come up with was so Alex and Ada have a little, not even a fight, just sort of like they're, you know, he, 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 he doesn't really know where the boundaries are with her as a, a person and 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 friend or artificial intelligence and he and he says something like you were you were just programmed to do that and she says so were you yeah like you're just neurons and chemicals and to me that was like that was such a poignant line of so much of us is just programmed by biology and you know it is it is our interaction with culture and like you know our social culture and our even if, whatever it is on the internet, whether it's other people, whether it's just the city you live in, like that's activating different parts, you know, of your um, genetic code. But it's already in there, you know. Well, with that, <laughs> and I,
1: oh, yeah. Good. No, I was going to say with no, that with that context, the next logical question that this book at, you know really deals with head yeah. on is: Are robots people too? Yes and like how did you feel about that where i mean where where would you come on that in general and then how did the book make you feel about that uh i hadn't
0: i mean i can't say i was thinking about that specific issue or not but i i have recently been been wrestling with a lot of bigger questions about what makes us human over animal you know like like an animal desire basically because uh Uh, In thinking about like mental health and stuff like that You know a a dog loses A limb and it doesn't Worry about it It that doesn't Cause like anxiety and depression In the dog the dog Mm -hmm. just goes on with Three legs like that's (laughs) You know it it doesn't have the Consciousness that that tells it like Hey things are fucked up and we should worry About this all the time Mm -hmm. so when I was reading this and thinking like oh well I Mean once you give a robot the Ability to think about its feelings Then Mm -hmm shit maybe it has rights like maybe that is actual life you know and yeah. especially because these androids have been built that they have to consume food and they you know they um, I guess there are another bodily functions that they have to do but they feel you know they taste things they feel desire they you know once they're unlocked they're humans where did you end up on that
1: I kind of feel, I mean, it was interesting that question, it it feels a lot like the debate about, you know, (laughs) when does life begin? You know, when is there a, is a baby, you know, when is a baby, a baby, you know, just all of these abortion related questions. It kind of, it felt a lot like that. I'm like, we're already ill-equipped to answer that question. I don't know if, if Western society can answer the, what if a rope, you know, what is a robot question too? It did remind me a lot of uh, an episode of the Animatrix. Remember that um, anthology that came out around the time of the Matrix right, sequels? Right. There's one that that uh, it's a two-parter, and it shows how Zion, or how um, how the machines basically ended up taking over and creating the Matrix and putting everybody in Zion. All, I mean, it explains all that. And what it gets to, and again, minor spoilers. If you haven't seen it, I mean, 16 years has passed, folks. If you haven't seen it by now, I'm sorry. But <laughs> there's a um, the first episode talks about man creating AI. Um the AI, you know, the rope the robots create their own city, they make cars that compete with the you know the the global economy and they actually send two ambassadors to the United Nations to to basically say, Hey, we're we're peaceful, we wanna we wanna be in business with you, and everybody's like, No, screw you, because because they're beating us on all these economic fronts, they're just seen as as nothing, and they actually like they rip the ambassadors apart. You know, they just they just kill them basically right there on the floor. So then, uh, you know the machines you know, seeing our seeing humanity's um, response to them. That's when they go dark. That's when they they turn mm. into the machines that we see in the Matrix. They end up coming back to the United Nations in Episode Two, um, and this time they're not they're not here to negotiate. They're basically here to say, "Yeah, we're we're in charge now." And so I just I remember thinking about. There's, a, there's even a grotesque scene in episode one two where a woman who you think is a woman is walking down the street and some bigoted person comes up to her and you know grabs her purse and yanks it away and you find out she's an Android and they rip her apart too and she's like no I'm real I'm real and she's like screaming out and it's horrifying to watch. I, wow. a lot of that kind of passed you know passed through me as I was as I was reading this fortunately it doesn't get quite that severe although there are right. there are some dark moments uh, I do not want to spoil it it really it really does it, it really helped me lean in more into the okay this is coming pretty quick I mean we're gonna experience this in our lifetimes pretty quick are how are we gonna do are we gonna you know not as individuals but as a group are we as a society are we gonna be this? Yeah, are we going to be as predictable and prejudiced and, you know, um, uh, totally against this, this, you know, the emergent other as we have been for other, you know, for, for racial groups and gender groups and just like, you know, all yeah. of that stuff is, 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 you know, front of mind too right now, given sort of where we're, you know, the time in which we're living, but throw, throw AI into the mix or androids of them into the mix. I, I, I just I'm so curious about all those things so that just that kind of amped me up even more while reading this book yeah. is just to con- consider all that like wow it's this is this isn't like you know 100 years from now this is soon we are going to see this happen in some form yeah. or fashion very quickly and so it's I yeah. go ahead. yeah
0: and not and I mean obviously there are a lot of weeds we could crawl through if we wanted to and I, so I'm not trying to you know pull us into those but um yeah I do think the the interesting question here is Is that it? Is that these the like the androids in Alex and Ada have a physical body that is at least partially organic because they're able to they actually just eat human food in order to survive? Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and it has a consciousness, so it's different from like ex machina, which we assume was completely mechanical, Mm -hmm. like you know, and um it's different from her in that it has a body. And I think that's a, you know, that's an interesting point. And I, I, I think it's, I mean, it's definitely like you, you picked a good jumping off point there too, of like a, a culture that can't even figure out the abortion debate. Um, like, are they prepared to like seriously talk about androids? Yeah. Um, and uh, the, and there is a, there is an important distinction here, which is like Ada doesn't, subsist in the cells of Alex you know like in you know from speaking for me personally like in the abortion debate like the the potential human that is in another human is dependent on that other human and that human already has rights and should be able to decide whether it wants to tattoo its cells or flush those cells out of its body or do whatever those are the cells of its own body you know of her own body and and I'm thinking of it like there's a character in this who has a bionic leg, and yeah. he talks about how he's he's upgrading it, and the new model's even going to tan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what if that leg spontaneously <laughs> develops sentience, mm-hmm. but it's still dependent on his own cells to live? Mm-hmm. I think he still has the right to detach it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But but Ada's Ooh, already detached. Oh, yeah, you know. You know, Ada's already a separate being. Like it's I don't know it's it's just very interesting and along that like you mentioned at the outset several people assume Ada will malfunction and be hostile or they're they're making very inappropriate remarks about how it's basically just a sex doll for Alex mm-hmm. and there's such a confrontation there of they're in the presence of Ada and discussing Ada as if she's a, an other like a yeah. non entity you know yeah. and that's you know, just like in a, su- a real subtle but powerful way to to bring up that sort of whole rights debate and well, um, interestingly, yeah, on
1: that, on that note, and I don't want to <laughs> spoil, um, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a really interesting moment after she gets uh, sentience, after she gets sort of awakened, um, she has to kind of go back and play the stereotype of what everybody thinks she is, and that's mm-hmm. that's yeah, yeah. man, just the the metaphor of you know other other uh, culture groups having to do the same thing. It's just, it, it oh, was yeah. really, really well layered in. Just the the mere image of the world of Alex and Ada reflected on just the time we're living in now. Just take take oh, AI yeah. out of the equation. It was really profound. It just, it made me think about all this stuff. And again, just it, uh, the more of these ideas and themes kind of ran through my head, the more amped I was to keep going. Cause I was just like, what else are they yeah. gonna, <laughs> are they gonna sort of meta commentary uh, comment on? It was, it was fascinating. God,
0: You're right. I, I hadn't even thought about that moment in that context, but you, there's like literal code switching that happens yeah. because <laughs> she has to talk one way to the people that don't know that she's sentient and then, you know, and then talk another way to Alex, like in the same sort yeah. of, you know, scene. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or even think about like, uh, you know, somebody has- Uh, you know, a a young Mormon man who's gay, who has to, you know, kind of suppress. I've been thinking about that song from that. Turn it off song from uh, the book of Mormon musical, where it's just like, you gotta, (laughs) you just gotta turn, flip that off. You know, just don't, you don't even think about it. You gotta be that you, you have to be this. And just that, that societal expectation. I, this all comes down to a, a kind of a, a, a top level question that the book does force you to ask and answer several times. Should, should an AI, you know, what rights should they have? But more importantly, should they um, should they be sentient? You know, if that possibility exists, is it our moral responsibility to, you know, to let them have it to to in, to ensure that they are given that chance to see to experience sentience? Like, how did you think about that? Or does that did that hit you the same well- way it did me? No
0: I think that's such an interesting question. I thought about it from a I think a different angle so I'll be really interested to hear what you said. But as I sort of alluded to how you know our, our minds are already being changed by artificial intelligence that's not sentient, you know Facebook ads or Google algorithms or things like that, like what and the reason and again, like the reason I find the Alex and ADA world, more appealing or understandable is because of that physical element, I guess. And the idea that like, yeah, once you've got a, a body and a consciousness, you know, maybe you got some rights. Mm -hmm. Um, and,
1: but what, but uh, would would you say that same thing if it was just consciousness, if it was more like her or Jarvis,
0: I don't um, think so. And you're in a box. I don't know why.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Um, uh, but I think there are other subtleties there too. Like the organic, things like that. Like if she doesn't eat, she dies. Like her battery fails, you know? Um, but the, the way I was thinking about is the, that the, the AI that I'm much more frightened of is that like, you know, the Facebook messenger that's always listening to your conversation so that it can serve you better ads or something Mm. like that. Like I'm more afraid of the artificial intelligence that doesn't have a consciousness Mm -hmm. and that the people, uh, Who have created it don't have a conscience Mm. and did not create a good thing you know they did not sort of examine uh, all the worst case scenarios for the thing they created Mm. and that is so much more scary because it that could be self-replicating and it and it has no moral sense about it or like concept of what another being is you know Mm. it only understands manipulating those things um, but yeah, let me put that same question to you. And what, how did you think about those issues reading this? Well,
1: you gave me a new twist on it, which is in a lot of these stories, the personality of the AI is shaped by its maker. Um, Ooh, yeah. Or is shaped by the thing that it most, you know, it, again, going back to her, Walking Phoenix didn't make that. I forget what her name is too. Oh, shoot. Um, by the way, the uh, Silicon oh, yeah. Valley character is called Fiona. Just throwing that yeah. out there.
0: Yeah. Um, and honestly, that those last two seasons have really great uh, uh, g- 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 warning signs from Gilfoyle on the <laughs> like you know Im- like immediate invasion of the artificial intelligence. The yeah. one where he ha- hacks the refrigerator that season. Um, where they find out that the people who made this are secretly recording every conversation that goes on in your house because they didn't even understand that's what they were doing. Yeah, And then the whole Fiona-like thing of, you know, Guilfoyle, the character, cites a couple of theorems about you know, how we should interact with robots.
1: Yeah. So, so going back to to her, you know, Walking uh, Phoenix didn't make Samantha. That's the, uh, that's the Scarlett Johansson AI. He didn't make her, but her entire existence is, is, I mean, he's basically her, her father, you know, he gave her all of her context to get going in life, much the same way Alex did with Ada. Ada is largely shaped by Alex's, Influences and likes and things he tells her, and she, yeah, yeah, she goes off and, and learns so much more and becomes so much more on her own. But that starting point, that nexus of her her awareness and her context is Alex. And then you think about the the doomsday scenarios uh, again. The the book Ancestor that that is all the fault of the guy who made that AI. He's I mean, all of that was his fault. <laughs> right.
0: right. Um,
1: there's I mean, Terminator. You, uh, that's probably not a good example but there's other oh you know, x machina uh um she what's yeah. her what's her name is it ava no what's yeah yeah is it ava in x machina is that her name too
0: ava ava i believe so yeah
1: wow um you know ava is is the result of uh oscar isaac's character and then a little bit Dom gleason because he he gives her more to consider but she's basically everything all of her motives in that movie are because of what oscar isaac did to her or you know, made her to do and so it's it's kind of all of these seem to be shaped by that so alex and ada I've, i really felt much the same way and then you think okay if that's the case, if this if this thing is so shaped by humanity, I think there's a almost a tipping point where you can't turn it off again. Where you, I, I was absolutely on board when they're like, "Hey, you need to," you know. They're all telling Alex, "Man, you need to you need to give her sentience. That's the right thing to do." I was on board by then because yeah, she, you know, she was only yeah. going to be so much, um, up until that point, and what she had already been was was beautiful because of what Alex did. So it's like, here's the next logical thing you can do. So it does kind of make. You know, it kind of gives that that character a god sort of feeling, you know, the shaper and kind of maker of the destiny of these of this AI. So then it's like, okay, if I'm if I'm the god of this thing, this thing that you know, humans humans made AI, humans turned AI on. Does that mean humans can't turn it off again? And it's even going back to the the situation in the book where the um, the earlier version of the AI went rogue and killed some people. That was, you know, large, as far as we know, that was largely a a fluke, you know, an accident, one in a a million chance, just like any person can go off the handle and and kill very similar. That's, it wasn't, there wasn't something specific about being AI. Everybody's like, we we need to turn them all off because that happened. We have to, we have to save ourselves. But again, it's like, that could happen anyway. I don't think there's anything special about it. Sorry, go ahead.
0: And no, 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 I, I I love that you brought that up. And just to like add a little distinguishing feature there, what's super fun about Alex and Ada is that, the, you know, that's kind of a trope is that like uh, you activate the AI and it causes a massacre or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that's not unfamiliar to us in science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ultron, for example. Yeah. Great um, idea. Great but idea. what's interesting in, in, Alex and Ada, I think that gives it this other dimension is that's a different brand of AI. It's basically like if the Apple AI went rogue and caused a massacre yeah. and now Google has to, you know, add restrictions to their own AI because of some yeah. other brands problem. because point. they talk about the next wave massacre, which was another brand. And then later when um, Ada encounters other awakened androids, there are three different brands Um I I don't know if you noticed that, but they like just sort of slip it in. Like uh, when they're, when they're talking, when they're out in public, you know, and they talk about having, uh, there's a, what is it called? The AI restriction act or something like that, or where they, every, every Android now has to have like basically a tattoo that is extremely deep in its artificial skin so that any human, and it always has to be exposed. That's the law. So if they cover it up, then the human that owns it is responsible you know, and if they remove it, then I guess they just shut the Android down. Whatever, it's uh, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I, also, I love that that sort of brand war between them was was intriguing to me because uh, it's not a big player; it's just in the background of the story.
1: Even that element, though, I mean, that kind of harkens back to Nazi Germany and Jews. It's like you have to wear oh, this mark so Jesus. we can identify who you are at all times, robot. Yeah, just I mean, and again, it and not that they were being heavy handed with that. It's not like ooh, let's make a really fun metaphor. It was just you can easily see. Oh no, this is just naturally what would happen, all because of fear. Fear would drive a lot of these things. I always come back to. I mean, this has kind of always been the case, even since I was a kid. When I think about, you know, is a robot worth saving? You even go back to like the Iron Giant, you know, which is an AI story onto itself. When is when is AI? When is robot robot worth saving? When should we treat it like like a person? I always come back to like if it saved you if it saved your life, how would you feel? Would you think, oh, this machine, this this sort of just, you know, would it be no different than a bulldozer saving your life? Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I don't, you know, thank you, bulldozer, but I, there's nothing I don't care, yeah. really. But if a robot, if an AI did it, like if you're in the Knight Rider car yeah. and Kit saved your life, Kit, the Knight Rider car, saved your life, but got crushed in the process or something or it got damaged, I would feel, you know, I'd feel bad. I'd be like, oh, man, it, it really... You know and right there that emotion that sort of visceral reaction to like this thing saved my life. I think that you know if you have that you pretty much have to accept or treat that you know that entity as though it is real as though it is yeah. operating under its own I mean even shit even if that protocol was a human... Like, hey, we're going to program these robots to save people. It's still it's still doing a very human thing, which is like sacrificing itself for the good of something else. I don't know. What, I mean, some humans don't even do that, and we, we keep them around. So it's like, why would you not... Why would you not put uh, a mechanism in place from a societal or cultural level to ensure that that thing had rights or could maintain itself if it wanted to, or or go beyond? Uh, I don't know. It gets really yeah. you get really deep and sort of heady really quick when you start thinking about all this stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think what's cool about this book is that they they use a lot of those things to like that we're already familiar with to be in the background. So it's like they subtly bring them up. So it's not like the point of their story is you know, uh, the robot that saves your life. That's not like the point of it, yeah, yeah, but it, but it's there because there's a side character who tells this story basically about his relationship, like his appreciation and relationship with robots, uh, androids changed because he was in the military and one of their like killing robots saved his life and then yep. ended up sacrificing its own. And, you know, just it's not in there. Like that's not the point of Alex and Ada. It just, you, you like, just like you're saying, like you're, you're thinking about those things anyway. Like, well, what if this should save my life? How would my perspective change? Boom, there it is. And it just really, it was really cool to see uh, characters voice those perspectives and kind of round it out that way, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's why I brought all these questions up because that's truthfully, truthfully, this book is designed to ask these questions to really craft right. a reality and make you go, Hey, is are is humanity ready for this? Is Western culture ready for this? 'Cause it's yeah. coming. It's coming very quickly. I mean, when they when it came when it published in twenty fifteen, I don't know if it was the Alexa even out yet? Maybe it was just about to launch. I mean, there was a lot that they didn't have yeah. in the real world that they sort of not predicted, but but you know, this book aligns very, very closely with a lot of stuff that's come since. And just really sets the tone for you know is it's a very thinking man's book it very much again i'll go back to kurt vonnegut uh, you know if you like cat's cradle if you like any of that stuff that you know asks mm. near future slightly dystopian questions i and this is very much in that tradition um let's let's kind of move to wrap up because i don't want to spoil too yeah. much more i think we've covered a lot well, of the the good stuff that i think this book really provokes
0: yeah, I didn't not not. There's no issue to or theme to dive in here, but I, I want to make sure we touched on like something I brought up early on, which is how it's just so perfectly like three three acts to a larger arc. Yeah, and how Volume One really leads up to that sentience, mm-hmm. and you know an event that happens at the end of that, like of of Ada becoming sentient, and then Volume Two has this other great you know like motion of its own that um, leads up to the relationship between Alex and Ada changing, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I, I don't know what happens in volume three, but I can just see like from the way that, like this story, given what you've told me in, in volume three, it, the pacing is just so perfect. Now, granted, if it yep. were a sci-fi novel, it, there would be thousands more words, you know, used to convey this, mm-hmm. but I, I was just very, pleased with the like economy of this but not feeling like they'd left something out they, you know, I'm like so it, it, glad you
1: said that, that because I, as I was reading, I'm like, man, they, I, they must have had this very tightly outlined, because you know yeah. how, you know how some books, especially creator Own works, they may have issues one, two, three, maybe four, or five, but then they don't really have much more past that because they don't know yeah. if it's going to continue, and, you know, even Kirkman's uh, Oblivion, he said, you know, this is, I'm going to try to get way ahead, so by the time you read this, we've got volume one finished, but Alex and Ada, because it's so tight. I mean, all the way through to the end, and I will say this, that that ending, I mean, all of Volume 3 is, is a, a treat. It, it does, it has some very emotional, you know, very emotional and very heavy moments, but overall, like, you can't read that. I mean, it it is as satisfying a conclusion to any story uh, uh, as anything else I've read that I really, really liked, and it's especially given that we were sort of sad and disappointed about Game of Thrones. We were sort of sad and disappointed about a lot of, shows and books and things lately in terms of how they end and this is the opposite this is like wow i didn't expect that but that is the perfect ending um cool and it just really ties it together very nicely i think uh, apart from that clean and focused storytelling i'll just i'll give another shout out again i think they nailed the art for this story i i wouldn't Ever advocate this art uh, you know uh, coincide with like wicked and divine or east of west you know like it's not not appropriate for those stories but for this story it, i think it right. ju- juxtaposes really nicely and then just again it is it is so relevant yet you know, my favorite graphic novels are the ones that you can go back to reread them and you get more insight into the human condition more more context and just it provokes you to think at a deeper level and I think this one—I mean, definitely my first read—but I—I would assume when I read it two, three, four times over this over the coming years, it's gonna still feel that that relevant.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I—I I think so. Yeah. the The only thing is like when we when we eclipse its developments, then what are we? How is it gonna read then? But up until then,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Ooh, that is. Yeah. Ooh, is it gonna feel? Is it gonna feel like a? Uh, you know how like we look back on Back to the Future two? as like, oh, yeah, that sort of kind of got the future kind of right. You know, is it going to be like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where you're like, ooh, and, yeah. and in some ways, you know, you look back to the future, too, and you're like, well, wow, I I wish some of this had played out. I'm sort of sad we didn't get the uh, instant pizza and the flying cars and, the you know, all of that. So maybe, I mean, it, Alex and Ada may present a idealistic future of AI with compared to where we'll end up, which, you know, who knows?
0: I, ooh, I'd rather this... Yeah.
1: I'd rather this than Ancestor. Ancestor is to me the absolute <laughs> I, I mean, I would rather live in Terminator World than the Ancestor world. I just I'm ugh. Something about that book just really creeped me the hell out. And I, I love it, but it's it is ooh, it is creepy. Um it,
0: yeah, I'm afraid Ancestor may be the closest to our actual reality. Oh yeah,
1: That's why it's so creepy. Because you're just you're reading this going, man, all it would take is one guy to just ugh ugh. Anyway. Um, Todd, what well, and it's so, Oh, sorry. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Sorry to like tag on there, right. As you're, you're doing a perfect sign out, but like, <laughs> I, I don't, it, yeah. You just made me think of like in four years ago when this was being published, how relatively simple it would have been for things like Twitter and Facebook to turn off bots mm-hmm. and just say like, we got it. We're putting all this on hold until there's, you know, further understanding and, And they didn't,
1: (laughs) and they didn't. (laughs) They
0: still haven't. Anyway, uh, yeah. Where could people find us? I would say, uh, you you know, the best place is always Instagram, where we are panelism.inc. But we are also on the web at panelism.inc. That's the full domain, and uh, where wherever fine podcasts are listened to for free despite the number of times we dropped the name Comixology they're not actually sponsoring us not a sponsor so, maybe
1: someday that'd be kind of fun we wouldn't have to change anything we just keep doing what
0: we're doing yeah, I, would, <laughs> I would finally read volume 3 if it were free <laughs> I, think, I think I'm think i just going to have to go buy that and read it this week
1: I mean so. that's what I did I highly recommend it go find Alex and Ada uh, at your local comic shop or on Comixology give it a try you won't be disappointed if you are let us know in the comment section we love feedback and um we'll be back yeah. next week with with more more comics and graphic novels and other stuff other 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 observations and who knows we may talk about stranger things at some point it's uh, yeah coming up soon
0: Ooh, great uh yeah thanks for bringing this book i will talk to you on the next episode